Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. And Dominique, we're recording this in the middle of February. We've just had a snowstorm here. I expect you probably had the same storm that hit your area. So this is the time of the year. Yes, it's the time of the year where you sort of spend more time sitting, if you have one, a night by a nice fire, reading books on behavior than necessarily being out in the barn training. So I was wondering if Well, there are a couple things I've been wondering. I was wondering if you've been reading anything interesting these days that you'd like to share. Well, as a matter of fact, I just got um, a book that a lot of behavior, people who study in behavior analysis uh, know about. It's a book by Paul Chance called Learning and Behavior. And I just got it not long ago and started reading, peeking through it and... I'm going to love this book. I'm going to spend many, many, many hours in this book. And I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, in the podcast. I don't know about you, but reading time is precious and there's never enough of it. So can you share a tidbit or or two from... Well, you know, um, what I'm finding in those books and when I hear more about, you know, all the science behind is that Everything I encounter that I'm finding a challenge in my training has been researched and explained by science. You know how I've been asking you about building duration and raising criteria without creating frustration? Yes. Well, so the reason, of course, I'm asking is because there has been times when I would try to build duration and I would seem to ask for too much and the um, and Woody would just uh, go away, you know, or I wouldn't be getting to where I want to go. But all this, you know, so they call it the breaking point. Where the oh, be- interesting. Yeah. So, so, so uh, go on with that. Well, I, I, I can't talk a lot about it now because I'm, you know, I'm just arriving there uh, in the book. But, you know, when I saw when I saw this, I thought, of course, yeah, that's that's exactly what's keeping me or what I need to know more about this, the breaking point and all the research that has been done around it to help me not to get to the breaking point where the behavior falls apart, where the learner disengages. And so it just seems to me that every question I have, every situation, well, you know, I'm going through, there has been some research, which doesn't mean that research is over. Of course, you know, there is still research going on and there are still people challenging uh, what is out there, but there's a lot out there. Behavior has been studied quite a lot. And if we take the time to read about what has been researched, I think we can, it can help us a lot in, um, yeah. So um, to, there's no way around it. You know, the amount of time we invest 
in learning more and applying it is what makes us the better trainer. Yes. So I remember fairly early on with Robin, I built quite a glass ceiling for him because I like quality. I go after quality more than quantity. And and that's just my nature. That's what I that's mm-hmm. what appeals to me is is a really beautiful beautiful uh, a trot or something and and so when I have the when I'm working with the horses and they give me a little bit of extra lift and I click and I reinforce it and you can almost feel particularly if you're riding them you can almost feel them say oh if you thought that was good just wait till you till the next time and then they'll they'll give me another even more lift on the next ride and how can you not reinforce that and and so there's the, the going after quality. And in going after quality, there's a bit of a sense of, oh, but how long can they sustain it? Because all of that beautiful lift takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of work. And, and, and if I ask for three or four strides and then get greedy and ask for the fifth stride, is it all going to fall apart? Because they just aren't strong enough yet to maintain it. And so with Robin, I built a glass ceiling where I was getting this extraordinary work. But I would definitely get to a point where he would just say, no, I've, I, I've given at the office, I've given you the number of strides that this behavior contains, and that's it. You should have clicked by now. And, and it was a real problem because that was when he was really young, so he had I had all of the energy and learning curve of of an adolescent, and I was also boarding at the boarding barn where turnout was limited. We, we did not have enough turnout, and that was definitely a stress point. But that was the boarding barn, and there wasn't a good alternative, so we had to deal. We had to cope with the amount of turnout that we had available to him. So I had a management problem on top of a young adolescent on top of, oh my goodness, I've trained this glass ceiling. And I needed him to be able to go out into the arena and without having turnout in the evening before we had our training time, I needed him to be able to go out into the arena and walk beside me on a slack lead and he couldn't do it because he would go into the arena and be bouncing and or I'd I'd ask for a couple steps and he'd reach over and he'd grab the lead rope and I wanted him to be able to walk next to me without grabbing the lead rope without needing to bounce around and present me with behavior that didn't feel safe And I needed him to be able to do that, even if he hadn't had turnout, because in a boarding barn, you can't always have the arena to yourself. No, you can't. (laughs) You can't. So, you know, I'm dealing with all of these constraints and realities. And so that's when I came up with what I called the 300 peck pigeon, which I think I mentioned briefly at the end of our last podcast with Jane. And I really wasn't intending to talk about it but since you've brought up duration it seems like a good place to insert it and so 
The 300 peck pigeon, I call it that because I had heard, and I think it was Gary Wilkes, but I could be mistaken. This was a long time ago. I'd heard him in one of his seminars talk about some of the studies that, the laboratory studies that were done, where a pigeon was trained so that it would peck a lever 300 times for one click and treat. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive. Yep. That's a lot of duration. It doesn't it's it doesn't start that way. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because if you gave one for 300, the breaking point would have been hit a long time ago. Long before. Yeah. That's exactly right. right. And so the original research and and I, people have asked me, "Oh, can you give me the name of that paper?" and it's like, "No, I can't because for me, it was a metaphor. What interested me was not how they got the pigeon to do that, but just the metaphor of, oh, you can have that degree of duration. And I thought about it. Well, we actually want that kind of duration with our horses. I've never counted the number of strides that my horse has to walk to go once around my arena. I probably should. It'd be interesting to do. If I if I took Robin out for a walk around my arena and we went once around, how many strides would he go? That would be an interesting number to have. But when we're riding, we certainly want our horses to be able to go around the arena and around the arena again and around the arena again. And I dare say, depending upon the size of your arena, that it wouldn't be long before you'd gone 300 steps. So we want... 300 peck pigeon yeah, horses. Right, right. Right, which is why to me it was a metaphor. So it was like, how do I get, how do I get to, to the point where I have a 300 peck pigeon horse when I have a horse who just was struggling with that glass ceiling? And I'm sure everyone has had that feeling, you know, that we've, you've reached a glass ceiling. Right. That you have, we repeated something too many times and you feel like you're close to that breaking point. The easiest place where you where you see this happening is with backing because we think of backing as physically hard for the horse. Right. And and we need the horse to back up, but we we don't need him to back up tons of steps. We just need him to back up a step or two to un glue his feet. So you ask for one step, two steps, click and treat, one step, two step, three steps, click and treat. And that's sufficient for resolving whatever stickiness there may have been in terms of the moment. And so you you just get in the habit of clicking three steps. Only now, you're in a situation where you need four steps for whatever reason. Maybe you, you're asking the horse to back up down your barn aisle and you're to get out of the way of a manure cart or something. And, and you need four or five steps and the horse is going, oh, no, 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 no. I know the, I know this behavior. You may not think that I know how to count, but it's three steps, click and treat. And you, you know, it's not four steps. So it's an easy place where people may have experienced the the glass ceiling. 
and can relate to it. Right. And so what I needed, you know, what I could do with Robin was go out into the arena and he would walk next to me and he would pick himself up in this absolutely beautiful balance. And, and he'd go a couple of steps and he would be gorgeous. And I would say, oh, you're so gorgeous. I have to click and reinforce that. And so we could get beautiful work. But if I just wanted him to walk next to me in sort of a just, you know, we're just walking down the trail kind of walk yeah. and go out into the arena and say, well, let's just walk from, you know, around the arena a few times. He would be thinking, no, 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 no. It's supposed to be. I'm doing passage with you. <laughs> right. I'm doing fancy. Why aren't you clicking and reinforcing fancy? So the 300 peck pigeon and this preceded my conversation with Jesus about loops. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this was, in fact, it was, it's in part because I started training like this that Jesus looked at what I was doing and said, oh, you're training in loops. And I said, oh, am I? That sounds interesting. And then when he explained it, it's like, oh, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. I train in these tight loops. So 300 Peck Pigeon began with going out into the arena and asking Robin to take one step in which the basic in which the criteria were met and they were really simple criteria as I wanted walking next to me slack in the line and there were certain things that he could do that would set the count back to zero so if he grabbed the lead rope the count went back to zero which I'll explain later so I asked him to go one stride well that was easy that's no challenge for him so he went one stride, I clicked and reinforced him. And then I decided that after every success, I would increase by one the number of strides I took. So the next time I went two strides, and then I clicked and reinforced him, because two strides was easy. And then we went three strides, and three strides was easy. So we got clicked and reinforced, and I increased my count to four. And going up, and I'd, I'd have to go back and read what I wrote at the time to really remember it accurately. But going seven, eight, nine strides, that was easy. Going into the mid-teens, that was easy. But when I started, you know, as I started to get in over 10, let's say, he was now posing, looking, you know, he's looking for what is it? that you're looking for? What is that extra flourish that I can be giving you that is generating the click? So he's looking, he's scanning for the criteria. This is a very smart, very clicker wise horse. So he's looking for what is the element that I am zeroing in on. And around probably 12, we started to get into the I don't know what you want. And so he would grab the lead rope. If he grabbed the lead rope, so if I was, let's say I was going for a count of, we'll make it 10, I'm going for a count of 10. So he goes one stride, two strides, three strides, four strides. But now he's feeling a little frustrated. So he grabs the lead rope. And so I just get ourselves, get us reorganized. And we go one stride, two strides, three strides, four strides, 
five strides, six strides, he grabs the lead rope again. And I, my count goes back. One stride, two strides, three strides, four strides, five strides, six strides, seven strides, eight strides, nine strides, ten strides, click and treat. So now I'm headed for 11 strides. And however many, sometimes I would get all 11 strides in without having to reset. Sometimes he would grab the lead rope and I would have to reset. And I noticed that there were certain places. So the mid-teens, we had a lot of resets. And then we went smoothly up into, as I recall, the mid-20s, 25s in there. And then a lot of resets. So there was definitely going through some extinction process in mm -hmm. this. And then somewhere in that range, uh, around the 25 or 30, he figured out it was duration. Right, yeah. And that was the interesting piece yeah. because up to then, he'd been looking for all of the quality criteria that I always worked on. And it never occurred to him that it was just do it longer. And for him, it was a huge breakthrough that there was this concept of do it longer. So you were shaping persistence. Yes. That's what you were doing because it's, it's a shaping process. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Duration is also a shaping process. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's a, it's a curious criterion because... It was, it was such a fascinating one with Robin to see this concept of do it long. It is a concept of do it longer. Yeah. This is great. All you have to do is keep doing it more. You don't have to look for variations of the more. You just have to do it longer. And then what was interesting was he seemed to choose he the behavior that he was going to use to do longer. So he went into head lowering and he he stopped offering all of the beautiful up gorgeous the th you know that that magnificent uh look like the fanciest dressage horse on the planet kind of movement and just went into head lowering it's as if okay if I have to do it longer <laughs> this is the behavior that I will do longer. And that was perfect. It was beautiful because if you talk about, I need a young horse who's not getting enough turnout to be able to come out into the arena with me and walk with me on a long rain in the middle of winter, because this was done in the winter, when the arena roof is rattling from the wind, there may be snow coming off the roof, you know, all of those, the doors are banging from the wind, all of those things which can be wonderful triggers for, oh, I just feel like I need to leap up in the air and, and, and twist my body around just because it feels good. And the wind is such a great excuse for jumping around. I needed him to be able to come into the arena and just walk with me. And all of a sudden, I had a horse who could come into the arena put his head down and just walk and when we got to we we had you know a couple of blips as we went through i'd say up to the 30s 40s and then once i got to 50 
smooth sailing. And when we got to a hundred, I could just, we just, we could have gone to a thousand. Really? Mm. Yeah. It was, it was an, it was such a fascinating experience. And I think I did it over, as I recall, it, I did it over three nights. And the first night we got to, I want to say close to a hundred. Second night we sailed to a hundred. Third night we were at 300 and we could have gone to a thousand. And I've had a lot of people do, because I wrote about the 300 peck pigeon extensively and it's in the my writing book um and i've had lots of people use it and use it in a lot of different settings and reasons for using it with different species and they tend they there's often they'll interpret the count in ways that are not exactly how i did the count but it's all right they they got interesting good results so it's, but it's this duration. How does an animal view duration? Because behavior varies. Well, it's the behavior, but it's also, there's this, there's a topic that I learned when I first learned all, about all this, which I'm not hearing a lot about these days. It doesn't seem to be very trendy, but I think it it's, directly relevant to to this conversation and its schedule of reinforcement. Schedules of reinforcement. Now, there's a subject that can get your head spinning. So this seems like a good stopping point for now. Between this podcast and the ones we just did with Jane Jackson, we've shared some interesting rule-based procedures. These rules were of our own making. Both Jane and I wanted to create patterns that made us very consistent and very predictable. But in the case of the 300 peck pigeon protocol that I developed for Robin, from his point of view, I was the most inconsistent that I had ever been. But from my point of view, I was absolutely, in so many ways, the most consistent that I had ever been. And that's what created the contrast for him so that all those different versions of magnificence that he was trying out could, he could see that that just wasn't what I was after. None of those normal variables shifted me into clicking. I just doggedly kept to my count and the result was a horse who sorted through all the different versions of how he could walk on a lead that he could come up with and he eventually settled on walk with your head down and that turned out to be an unexpectedly perfect result in terms of what I needed. These procedures show the value of patterns and consistency. And what's been fun for me over the years is to describe what I'm doing to Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz. So I tend, as you've seen, to frame these procedures in terms of a story. That's what I like, how I like to think of them. But Jesus's perspective is that of behavioral analysis. And I always learn a lot when I ask him what he thinks was going on. So it's a great loop that we have together. I run a real world experiment and then I describe the result to him. 
And then Jesus looks at what I did and tries to explain what occurred in terms of the behavioral analysis that he knows. And then we take that information back to the horses and that lets us make these procedures even better. I'm mentioning Jesus because we have our first webinar of 2019 scheduled. Jesus is going to be our guest and the webinar is Sunday, March 31st at 2 p.m. So we're going to have a chance to talk about these procedures. And as you'll see from next week's podcast, Dominique and I generated a lot of questions about schedules of reinforcement. So we are very much looking forward to the webinar. I hope you'll join us. To register, go to equiosity.com. We'll be recording the webinar, so if you can't attend the live event, you'll be able to listen to it afterwards. But of course, the advantage of attending it live is you get to also ask your questions. And as always, if you sign up before the webinar, we have an early bird price for you. So next week, we'll jump into our discussion of schedules of reinforcement. Until then, have fun with your horses.